Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college half of our flagship pod here at Campus to Canton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Um, it's it's a, I think it's officially off-season, Colin. You know, the Senior Bowl has come and gone, and mm-hmm. it's come and gone to the point where that's actually camp-bound material now. That's not even Campus Life here. Um, th- those guys, we, we don't care about them anymore, uh, for this half of the podcast. So it, right. I, I think that's Packed kind of the bags aff- and sent them yeah. off. Wave goodbye. Yeah. Don't let the door hit them on the way out. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Do you, what do you think of the debate? Did you see that tweet that some dumb, dumb that pays for Twitter put out about uh, prob- how like, maybe it's like a bunch of scraps at the senior bowl and how we should oh, never care yeah. about anybody at the senior bowl and. Yeah, it's like it's for people who it's for the players who weren't good enough to declare like as soon as they're they were eligible, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did see that. I did. See what, that. what What was your reaction? Uh, that that guy, I think, had like 150 followers or like something like crazy low like that paid for a blue check mark and wanted to tweet bad opinions. Um, I mean, how many like. Even setting aside, you know, people were listing off like, well, Herbert was there and Josh Allen had been there and Cooper Cup had been there. But like even just setting those guys aside, like not everybody can come out after their junior year. You know, they have a lot of development they need to do. Uh, And a lot of the players that do come out early, you know, they don't always work out either. You know, so I think that there's a we put a lot of emphasis in the fantasy community on early declares. And I think that there is some value that we need to put on that, but I think we do overvalue that. Like there are a lot of players who go back for their senior year and improve and then go on to have very successful NFL careers. Yeah, I know. I mean, I'm with you. It's funny because I think if he had said like, like qualified, it was saying like this year, senior bowl, I actually think he probably would have been correct. It's not a very good group. Yeah, even defensively, a lot of the guys were saying they're not sure there are any defensive players there that are going to go day one. And that's not, you know, if you if you don't go day one, you're crap, you know, and you're right. you have you'll have no chance at a career, and and nothing good will ever happen to you again playing football. Right. Um, but in terms of you know just looking at the raw prospect talent that is there, I definitely think this is one of the worst years that I can remember. Just mm-hmm. and I don't know why that is. I was trying to think of it today. Um, I, I was, I went for a bike ride today and I, I you know, how, how oh, you, when you, outside when you're or inside outside, it was like 50 oh. degrees. I, I'm assuming it was like that near you too. It was really nice here. Uh, it wasn't quite 50. It was probably like mid to low forties, but it was still pretty windy. Oh, I see it. There was no wind. It was like 50. I, I was in shorts and short sleeves because I knew as soon as I got going, like I was going to, you know, yeah. just be a sweaty mess as I usually am. Um, <laughs> but yeah, my mind just wanders when I'm riding my bike and I, I actually was thinking about this and, and this year's crop and everything and just like it's it's a rough group and i don't know if it's because like i, I don't know if this is covid year fallout mm-hmm. i don't know Good if point. there's going to be a class in, like this year and maybe next year where these are kind of guys that got uh saw like the they got the bonus of being able to stay an extra year so there were a lot of like fifth year guys there but they also had the other side of that sword where it was you know they the there might have been they, the reason they may have stayed is because maybe there was somebody there ahead of them or something like that they got an extra year or they had to transfer because there was going to be somebody ahead of them i'm wondering if if that's the reason or if it just 
isn't a very good senior class. And and granted, like the best, like uh, Will Levis decided not to go. You know, whatever we think of him, he's considered by you know a lot of people around the NFL to be a first round draft pick. So he probably would have been, you know, another high profile quarterback that could have gone there. The best senior running back is Zach Charbonnet did not go. I, I don't know why that was, um, but he is in the draft. Like he's been working out and stuff. So, um, and then even a guy like, like, I know we've been bearish. I think bullish is high. Bearish is low, right? We've been bearish on Zay Flowers compared mm-hmm. to, I think, consensus. But he he went to the Shrine Bowl. Like, I think is. I'm wondering how much of it is maybe some sort of COVID year factor and maybe some sort of just a weird year based on how everything broke out with the players that did or didn't accept invites um, or maybe didn't get invited at all. I don't know. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. I I think it's hard to determine how much of a factor each one of those are, but I do think they're both heavy factors in why we're seeing it's such a disappointing year. And I, I I don't necessarily disagree with you where you said if that person on Twitter had framed it differently and said and talked about it for this year's class, it might not have really necessarily been wrong. I, I think it's a really interesting point, though, that you brought up about. So these a lot of these guys are, are fifth year guys, you know, so they've had two two chances to go pro and didn't take it for whatever reason. Um, I would assume that more of it has to do with they didn't get the result that or the grade that they wanted either of those first two years. And so now they're out of eligibility. So now they're trying it again this year. So I do think there is definitely a component of that, um, of these guys not quite being good enough the first two years. And now there are seniors and now they're going to the senior bowl. And like you said, other guys declining, like the, the quarterbacks like Levis and Bennett, Charbonnet isn't there. Um, and you, you mentioned Zay Flowers. He went to the Shrine Bowl, but he did get an, an offer to the senior. Yeah, bowl. exactly. Exactly. The Shrine yeah. Bowl invite first and, st- and stayed there. Um, were there any other notable rece- senior receivers that weren't there? I think this class is mostly junior it's, related. It's mostly underclassmen. Yeah, I can't, yeah. Zay is really the only one that's up there. I mean, Cedric Tillman. Tillman. Um, I don't think, but he was hurt. His, but I, yeah, I don't know how much he's that been is. working. He keeps, yeah. He's him still rehabbing or whatever, but he's the only other really yeah. high ish profile guy that, that wouldn't have been there. That's a good point. Yeah. But yeah. The other guys that you, you look at at the top of the class, the JSNs, Quentin Johnston, Jordan Addison, Boutte, Jalen Hyatt, even if you want to throw him in that mix downs, yeah. downs, um, Rakeem Jarrett, like all of those guys did come out early. Parker Washington, even too, if you want to put him in that bucket. Uh, whatever you think of him. So there are, yeah, this is a pretty junior laden receiver group. So that definitely could have contributed to the receivers, maybe not looking quite as good as what we hoped. Yeah. So, I mean, I I don't know what the reason is, but I I wanted to get your opinion on it. Cause yeah, I think that, and and we had, we had two uh, gentlemen down there at in mobile representing Mm -hmm. C2C uh, uh, representing as well. Mike Valerie at FF uh, dirty Mike, and then uh, Barnabas at PKJB Lee. I believe is the order of letters at the beginning of his um, Barnabas uh, and they both. I mean, they did, they, they had, it seemed like they enjoyed themselves. They did, a, they created a ton of great content, both on Twitter and they did a, a, a daily wrap up show for us on the YouTube channel. Um, but they, even they said, you know, I, I don't know that there were a lot of early round guys really there. Um, 
they said, you know, uh, that, that corner from South Carolina probably played himself mm-hmm. uh, up boards with Rush. Is that his last name? Uh, that sounds about right, but I'm not super familiar with the uh, corners. I, I, yeah, I will be honest. Corner is probably the position more because even I play in some C2C IDP leagues. Most of them don't require you to play a corner. And if you're playing yeah. DBs, you're probably playing safeties. So corners coming out if you're doing is like it right. a yeah. position that I just know nothing about until somebody kind of fills me on on what what the expected top guys are. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, they, they, they seem to echo that it wasn't a, a particularly strong group there. Uh, but you know, it is a particularly strong group, Colin. It's your freshman class. And we are going to start yeah. today our yearly quest to get as many of these freshman profiles in on this program as we possibly can for all of our new listeners during the offseason here at the end of every single episode of Campus Life. Colin and I each pick a different incoming freshman player and we give a, I don't know, three to five minute profile uh, on who the player is. And then we kind of both both talk about them a little bit, go back and forth, maybe, you know, a- ask each other a couple of questions on them. Um, and we try to do that to give you guys a great idea of mostly the top guys. I mean, we try to cover everybody um, uh, through a certain point. We're not going to talk about like the, the world's deepest sleepers. If you want to hear some more about some of those guys, I know the, the official crew, um, uh, Matt, Alfred and David have been doing, they did a couple of, of G five and three star episodes recently. So I, I would recommend go, uh, check those out. Or if you're looking for more profiles in one spot altogether, we are currently working on our freshman and supplemental draft guide um, that will be releasing uh, March 1st. We are about halfway done with it, I think. I, I was going in and I, I do most of the editing. I was editing today and we're close to 100 profiles and we're hoping to have about 200 ish freshmen in there. Um, we're not going to, you know, just keep throwing names in to throw in. We're only going to put names in that we think are worthy of being drafted in normal formats um and then we will have some non-freshmen in there as well and some of our cff team is helping us put that all together since they're a little more knowledgeable uh maybe on on how depth charts work but we are working on that and that will be available um some of our members if you are a year-long scholarship which is our middle tier membership at c2c you get to pick one guide for free with your membership obviously that one our debbie guide or our college fantasy guide you can have any of those um, our nil yearly members get all of our guides for free as soon as they release and then of course you can buy all of them separately on the website as well at a twenty dollar uh value so um but yeah the, the the supplemental guide will be the first one out um and uh we talked a little bit about last week but i it's I'm locking in some grades at this point and, and making some manual adjustments that maybe I didn't expect to coming in. Uh, reading some other people's profiles as I'm editing has kind of made me rethink some guys. A guy that I raised up a little, a few spots today was Caleb Hicks, the running back going to Oklahoma. Um, so uh, just as an example. Um, so, I mean, I, I think it's a really good exercise for us. And I think it's very helpful. And we perform, we outperformed, multiple services at each position last year uh, in terms of, of raw production in year one. So I think we're off to a good start. I think we learned a lot and I think this year will be even better. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think uh, last year went well, there were a couple of misses, you know, in there, but it was our first year doing it. And uh, this year with the way we're doing it behind the scenes too, hopefully we can, we we will be able to include a couple more guys. Um, So I, I feel really good about, 
our process. And I just, I feel even better about like our team that we have evaluating it. I mean, I'm, you know, I don't want to pat myself on the back because I'm one of them, but I think everybody else in the group um, does a really good job. And as everybody's, I really trust as an evaluator too. So even the guys that I'm not writing up the profile for, like, you know, I, I like to go in and take a peek at what other, but what other people think of, of some of these guys. Um, so I can get another opinion because I trust everybody's opinion in that group. It's people don't, I don't know how many people know this or realize this, but for a large portion of the period evaluation period last year, we did not have yeah, <laughs> Matt, big wide receiver guy and David. Yeah. Uh, they kind of both came in at various spots throughout the process. And we were kind of like, Hey, you want to, you know, you're here to do recruiting work. You want to, you know, hop it on this guide as we're, you know, two thirds of the way through it. Um, So I think this year, yeah, we just all have a lot more guys ranked. We've all watched and gotten eyes on a lot more of these guys. You know, you can't watch 300 player. Well, Matt Powell says, haha, yeah, I can. Um, (laughs) You can't really watch like 300, 400 players, but I think between six or seven of us, we can certainly watch that many. And I think if all of us have, you know, 150, 200 players watched that, it covers a pretty good area of the map. I've actually kind of been going through to get some additional grades on guys and going through for players that have like one grade on them or two grades on them to try mm-hmm. to try to get uh, an additional eval, just another data point in there. Um, it's a, a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's um, it's it's. I don't want to call it my favorite time. It would be my favorite time of the year if it wasn't so much work. Right, but it's very satisfying once it releases and you get to see yeah. the finished product and because everything looks really good and and Hannah. Um, and Matt do a great job designing everything. And um, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a good product. It's one that I'm very proud of. Cause I mean, we're the only people on the planet to do one. So I think yeah. that's kind of cool. We yeah, are, it is. <laughs> we are without a doubt the best freshman supplemental guide on the planet. Just, uh, yeah. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's not even really uh, a question. It's like you said, not we even are close. the only not one. Close. What's the denominator on that? Hmm. Um, <laughs> we are one of one. I've been making the, the, the a very bad joke about it. I've been doing this this C2C uh, basketball league, and we just started mm. the college side of it. And there aren't really rankings out there for this. Um, like there, I actually did did find one or two other leagues that are like this that are out there. And I've been I've been chatting with some people this week when I posted that I'm doing one. Uh, but I've been making the joke. I've been trying to piece together rankings and I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty sure I have the best rankings in the world because uh, <laughs> there aren't any out there. Good, good luck finding any if you're looking for some. So maybe someday, maybe someday. Yeah. All right. Well, that's enough uh, chit chat here. Colin, just a couple other notes before we get into the show here tonight. We're going to talk about some position battles we're looking at uh, because believe it or not, springs spring practices are starting. I believe Bowling Green starts either this week or next week. It's That is the first one. So yeah. It is coming. Um, so we'll be talking some positional battles we're looking at. We're each going to pick one offense that we are buying low on um, probably throughout the offseason, but the earlier the better. We think uh, there might be some buzz as the offseason goes on. And then again, we do each have a freshman to talk about. Um, if you guys missed it, we did release a recruiting um, Twitter profile at C2C Recruiting. Go follow that. Check it out. Tweets out all of our recruiting takes. A lot of good uh, video clips and and uh, rankings and, and graphics and things coming out from over there. We did just update our rankings. Well, they, they update every day, yeah. but we had um, a hard deadline for uh, January 31st, February 1st to have all the rankings updated. This is our first show since we had it you know, official. So if you go into the rankings, virtually every single um, uh, 2023 graduate is out of there now. You might find one or two stragglers uh, if you see one. 
give us a, ho- a holler and we'll go yell at the person that has them in there. Unless it's me, then it's no big deal. Um, <laughs> and then we are doing a beginner month, guys, starting in March. Uh, we're going to do a ton of different shows and content, articles, YouTube videos about uh, for people that have been, you know, have never done a league before, have been hesitant to do a league because it seems like a lot. It, it It is a lot, but it isn't a lot. Um, and we're going to kind of walk you through um, how to to start up a league. So let's get into these position battles here, Colin. And we each picked one position battle, a quarterback, one at running back, and one at wide receiver. And as per usual, we did not pick one at tight end because, you know, quite frankly. It would just be the Georgia room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's the only position room. Where, Iowa. Or the place in the country where the tight end's a bat. Oh, okay. Iowa. That's the other one. Like, that's it. Yeah. That's it. So, um, yeah. So that, so those are the ones we're going to talk about here tonight. Colin, I'm just going to toss it right over to you. Uh, I love the one that you picked here. And it is very on brand for you. <laughs> so, which made me like it even more. Yeah. Um, he said, very on brand for me. My guy, Hudson Card, coming back around. He's Undertaker gif here. Um, the Purdue QB room is one that I'm, I'm keeping a pretty close eye on here because uh, they Purdue brings in Graham Harrell as the offensive coordinator there. You know, Jeff Brom is out. He's now in Louisville, uh, bringing in a new head coach and Graham Harrell's a new offensive coordinator. Graham Harrell's offenses put up a lot of numbers for fantasy. It's a lot of volume, uh, especially, you know, it's an air raid system and both of these quarterbacks, I think are pretty solid college quarterbacks a hudson card definitely has some flaws definitely has some struggles here not the uh debbie prospect that i thought he was going to be at one point in time but he looked better last year than what he did uh the previous year um last year 69 completion percentage uh, six touchdowns to one interception um 8.6 uh, yards per attempt too so you know not high but not low either um so he he looked better at times, and I think he can run this Graham Harrell offense. It's a quicker hitting offense. So one of his biggest struggles is against the pressure. Uh, so if he can get the ball out of his hand quicker and make quick decisions, he won't have to face that pressure. That's the hope. Um, so him coming in there is fingers uh, crossed. We've only yeah. we we only have so many data points that says he can't, but we'll see it. We'll see. It. Yeah, we'll see. Let's see. Um, but. So, so he, you know, he could be a very interesting option in that offense. The other uh, guy in that offense is Brady Allen, uh, who was a top 10 QB last year by the composite uh, four star kid uh, going to he went to Purdue with to be with Brom. But he is sticking around there, at least as of right now, even with Brom leaving. Uh, he's a big guy, 6'5", 210. He's got like pretty traditional size. He's a pretty traditional uh, pocket passer um you know he gets the ball out pretty quickly he's got good arm talent uh, he's not really gonna run too much but you don't really need him to he's a lot of experience in the shotgun um so i think he could also potentially be a very good fit for this cram harrell offense i think both whoever wins this job is going to be a cff relevant qb uh, so I, I definitely want to keep an eye on this battle because neither one of those guys are very expensive at this point. I, I want to ask you, Colin, because I know I was moderately excited about Graham Harrell's arrival at West Virginia last year. It didn't turn out mm-hmm. so well. His tenure at USC also didn't end 
greatest note. Are you worried about the fact that Graham Harrell's there? Like, I know it's in in theory, the concept of the air raid is exciting for us. At a place like Purdue, like, do they have the bodies there to be excited about at year one, especially at wide receiver? And is Graham Harrell what we think he was, or was he a little bit of a fraud? Uh, I think that those are two really valid questions. Starting with the wide receiver room, uh, it's not the strongest wide receiver room. Now, apparently, Milton Wright may be coming back. Uh, He might be eligible. Did Milton Wright leave? No, no, but he was ineligible all year last year. Who was the one that left for Texas? I thought Milton Wright left left for Texas. Was that not him? No, I don't know who the one who oh, uh, Nate's going to send Texas us a terrible was. message. You know what? Um, <laughs> Let's edit this so that we have a real answer, or do we just go with it? Do we go with the flow? Well, I know Milton Wright was ruled academically ineligible. Uh, I know that for a fact. I don't think he transferred to Texas. I who don't know who to the, Texas. It's a great question. I don't know, but I know. I know Milton Wright was academically ineligible last year, and he is going to be eligible again this year. So I th- I think with Milton Wright coming back, he'll be academically eligible again this year. I-, I think that that helps the wide receiver room a little bit. They brought in a guy last year that we liked in Curtis DeVille. Uh, hopefully he can develop. And then they had two other bodies there, Trent Sheffield, Tyrone Tracy Jr., they weren't really overly inspiring. So this isn't a room. This isn't a wide receiver room that you feel great about, uh, but it is a room that has a couple, you know, a little bit of potential there. But I think more of Graham Harrell's offense is on the quarterback and on the wide receivers, you know, to hopefully get open quickly. Uh, When you're coming to, we're talking about Graham Harrell here and are, do we think he's a fraud? I'm not going to say a fraud necessarily, but I don't think he's as good of an offensive coordinator as what we thought he was going to be after his initial uh, start at USC. That You said that didn't end on the best of terms there. They didn't end with the strongest of offenses. Uh, West Virginia was not good this year. I think a lot of that, though, had to do with they just didn't really have a quarterback that fit that kind of a system. JT Daniels... uh, He's just not what we thought he was going to be. He's never been the same player uh, since that injury and since he was a high schooler. And Garrett Green, I don't think, is an air raid quarterback. Like I don't think that just doesn't really fit what he does that well. So I'm hoping that at least fantasy-wise, this will still be a very productive offense with a lot of volume. Um, but there definitely is a lot of potential there for this to to blow up because okay. we've seen it happen before. Well, apparently the Milton Wright stuff was a rumor. I just looked it up. First off, it's impossible to. T- I, I I first searched Purdue wide receiver transfer to Texas. Literally, the first three pages of Google search were all Hudson card. He's not a wide receiver, but unfortunately, because of his trip from Texas to Purdue, uh, really clogged up the old search engine there. Um, the but it sounds like gotcha. I, I went and looked at all their transfers from last year, and there was no wide receiver headed to Texas. So um yeah that's fair um so we'll we'll see how that goes i think you know i think cautious optimism about about harold is the way to go i i I think you know uh, that that sounds right yeah Uh, but none of these pieces are going to be expensive right now 
So I think that helps. That's true. That's true. I think some people may be thinking Brom's gone. You know, there's when there's no excited about big name or clear, obvious guy that's going to be the next one up either. That's true. Poor Tamana. If only Chuck Sizzle had another year, you know, (laughs) how good do we feel? Give him a seventh year. (laughs) Bring him back. Uh, We can get him his law degree uh, at the end of the year. Uh, That'd be, you know, what a guy. Chuck Sizzle, attorney at law. So I went with a little bit of an obvious one for this one um, because I think just flat out the most interesting position battle on in the country is taking place at Tennessee. And I don't, I think we know the answer to the battle. I think it's between um, uh, Joe Milton, Bazooka Joe and Nico. I still can't say the last name. It's so it's really funny. Uh, Chris said it on uh, Moxley said it on Debbie debate this week. And so I was listening to Debbie debate and it came up and I like replayed it like six times. And I was and I like, you know, saying it along with it. And then as soon as I was like, Nico, I'm shit. It's got the yips. It's, it <laughs> literally is just that name. And I could do like, Ooh, young Like I could do all these ones, but Nico, man, it just messes with me. Um, to get back to the story here though. <laughs> I think we know that Joe Milton is going to win this job at least initially. You know, I'm not going to sit here and guarantee that he plays all, you know, 11, 12, 13, what 14, whatever, how many games Tennessee plays this year. I'm not, I'm not necessarily guaranteeing that because I do think there is a distinct possibility that Joe Milton, Joe Milton's, but I, why I'm watching this is because I want to hear how close Nico is to him to be on maybe mid-season watch where, you know, I've said I don't love Nico in terms of a Debbie asset, but I think if we can get two and a half years of him starting for Josh Heupel and his offense, like, heck yeah, that's a very valuable piece. That's like acquiring, you know, a, a Western Kentucky guy uh, when, when they have multiple years of eligibility left that they that they have to use. Like, he has to go through at least year yeah. three. He can't go anywhere else. Well, he could transfer out, but I, I, I kind of doubt that would happen um so i i really want to hear how close they are and and here's why i think that joe milton can joe milton so i i want to the josh heupel offense really simplifies things for quarterbacks it's got very simple reads it's almost all one read maybe two read kind of stuff it you're you're almost it's not a half field read type offense like maybe liberty was when malik willis is there but a lot of the time they do kind of chop the field into sections and that's kind of where the quarterback's going and then he knows like the backside throw is like you know just deep so based on where the safeties are he knows maybe when if you even if the quarterback's only looking at you know the the right side of the field he's got a, a wide receiver going deep you know, down the left uh sideline and he knows maybe safety's here other safety's in the box that's probably available unless there was some sort of weird defensive rotation. So I don't want to call it a half field read offense, but I think a lot of the time, or there's like a comeback over there. So like, you know, you know, real you know, you know, this isn't there comeback. I just placed the ball. So that was a really good breakdown of that offense, by the way. Thank you. You're welcome. Every once in a while, I I blacked out. I don't know what I said. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) No, um, that was, that was a really good breakdown there. And and that's one of the reasons why I think Nico would be good in this offense. Yeah, exactly. But so, so it, it, it it made Hendon hooker look better than I think he is. And I think hooker, you know, he completed over 60% of his passes every year. He was in college. 
even when he wasn't at Tennessee, but his percentages went from 61 and 65% at Virginia Tech to 68 and 70% at Tennessee. Like it, it got a boost. And you can see it really clearly with Joe Milton, too, who before this year did not have a single year above 50, uh, um, uh, 56% passing. Yeesh. Technically, technically, his true freshman year, he completed 75% of his passes. He only threw four. He completed <laughs> three for 58 yards. Like it wasn't, you know. It, I, I'm going size. to discount that. I'm going to discount that. Um, and then last year he completed 64.6%. So when we thought that he probably like, we were like, well, is there a limit to what the, this offense can do with a guy? And we're like, we think we found that we think it's Joe Milton. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, he went out there to complete 65% of his passes, almost a thousand yards, uh, 10 touchdowns, zero interceptions, which is a big thing because again, this offense is so simplistic. And there's almost always a deep option in it. And that's kind of where he thrives is the, like, you know, screw it. Somebody's somebody's down there and Squirrel White is, is probably going to be that guy. <laughs> um, so I, I think this offense does fit what he wants. But I also think, again, there is a chance that Joe Milton reverts back to what Joe Milton is. Or once they play a couple of good teams, like he, he struggles. So... I want to hear how close Nico is to him because I want to try to calculate in my head what are the odds that Nico overtakes him this year? Do I need to try to buy him from an impatient owner after week five? Or can I wait until week nine or 10 or, you know, something like that, wait a little longer and see if I can squeeze out a little extra value. So that's why I'm watching this. Um, but I, I think we know the answer, even though I would prefer it not to be so. Yeah, I think you're right. I think we know the answer. We I think this is going to be Joe Milton who wins this battle like pretty much outright right off the bat. But I, I agree with you. I, I do want to know how close Nico is because Joe Milton is two games away from being benched. Like we have seen bad Joe Milton and it is bad. Like we know that that is in his that is potential. Like that can happen. Um so knowing how close Nico is, I think that's a really good point. Um, so that is definitely going to be an interesting battle to watch. And Nico is one of the highest rated, like, um, you know, biggest name incoming freshmen. And we always want to pay attention to those battles too. hundred percent. It'll get some media, uh, media attention. Very true. Very true. Um, running backs, Colin, that we are watching. And I think there are a lot of these we'll be talking a lot about running backs. I mean, this, this class is so deep, you know, we're, we're this, this rookie class, we're losing all these running backs and that leaves voids behind them at most of the schools. You know, what happened? What's, what's the touch breakdown at Texas now that Bijan and Roshan are both leaving. What is going to be the touch breakdown at TCU and Kendrick Miller was more or less the guy there last year at UCLA. We assume it's Carson Steele. Could somebody else push him for some playing time? Um, who is catching passes in the Georgia backfield? Do they maybe just not throw to the running back anymore now that Kenny McIntosh is gone? I mean, there are a lot of these backfields that are, are big question marks. We kind of split the difference here. You picked one that there is a void and we're trying to figure it out. I picked one where no one really stood out last year and someone's coming back from injury. Um, so, so that could be a factor. Um, so what, uh, what, what are you watching at Texas A&M there? Yeah, so Texas A&M, like you said, they have a big vacuum there. I mean, they're losing Devin Achain, who um, through 10 games had 196 carries. The next closest running back was Amari Daniels, who had 36 carries. 
Uh, and Amari Daniels is out. I believe he went to New Mexico or New Mexico State. Um, I don't remember which one it was, but uh, he's he's out. LJ Johnson uh, was there. He had 10 carries last year. He's out. He went to SMU. It's really looking like Le'Veon Moss, uh, the four-star running back from last year, uh, he was a top 10 guy. It looks like he's probably going to get the first shot at this, but it's not like he has a huge sample size. He had 27 carries last year. Uh, they are also bringing in uh, Ruben Owens, who, uh, depending on which service you're using, is is the highest or one of the highest rated running backs in this class. Uh, is he a consensus five star? I think he is. Uh, that's a good question. I think so. On three calls them five star plus, and that kind of tells ah. you whether they are on like every single service or not. I want to say he is. I know he's the top guy for at least two of the services. So yeah, that gets you. That gets you a boost. So yeah, it it looks like he is going to be the uh the, it, he he's a highly rated guy. He's coming in there. He's also old for his uh position, like for coming into college. Like he's gonna be is he 19 right now? I think he's gonna be like um, 20. I don't remember yeah. if it's by the time the season kicks off or not, but by the time the season is over, I'm pretty sure mm -hmm. he's gonna be 20. He can almost buy boots yeah. legally. Yeah. Um so, yeah, so he's it's not like he's, you know, going to be some wide eyed freshman coming in there. Um, there will definitely be a learning curve, but he is a little bit more if mature, at least you would hope. So with him and you have Moss, probably the two leaders in the room, but somebody else that I'm not discounting here. Uh, we just heard that Anias Smith is coming back to Texas A&M. Now, he was a running back originally. Then he was listed as a wide receiver. Uh, depending on where you're looking at, he could be listed as either or or both. Um, he's a guy that I would look at potentially sliding back into the backfield because I think their wide receiver room is actually pretty solid. They have Moose Muhammad. They have Evan Stewart there. Um, both of those guys are uh, like kind of in the mold. I don't want to say they're in the mold of Anaya Smith, but they they operate like Anaya Smith is kind of redundant at the wide receiver position there because they all of those guys can operate well at the intermediate area. I don't think Anaya Smith is a particularly good receiver. Um, so I could see him moving back to, uh, to, to the running back position, because they also brought in Tyron Smith, who is also kind of a speedier guy, operates a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage. Talk about a guy that nuked his own value in, yeah. in CFF drafts. I don't know if he even really sees the field as true. Ouchy. Ouchie, ouchie. True. But yeah, so I, Anaya Smith's a guy I'm going to keep an eye on is possibly sliding back. I want to see where he ends up playing in this spring because he missed pretty much all year this year. Yeah, he got injured pretty early and his replacement was Moose. Mm -hmm. um, who played who, well. Who was just as good, if not better, yeah. um, than, than Smith was. Although Smith had been playing pretty well. So I just quickly, I looked up Ruben Owens, by the way. He's actually only RB1 in one, for one of the services now. Hmm. Okay. Um, but he's number two in two of the other ones. Uh, he is not a consensus five star. He's actually only a five oh. star for one service. Can you guess who it is? ESPN. No. Ah, okay. ESPN has him RB4. They are the lowest on Ruben. Oh, interesting. 24 yeah. 7 Sports is the only one that has him as a five star. That's the one that I use pretty, I don't want to say exclusively, but that's the one I use by far the most. So that makes sense why I thought he was a five star. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, um, but, uh, 
but yeah, still, you know, top four running back and yeah. top two for three of them. So, right, right. um, yeah, regardless, he's, and I think he's my RB four. So, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, this, man, this, I'm just as bad as ESPN. <laughs> um but yeah, yeah. This, this this texas a&m backfield though like they have been producing nfl caliber guys um now that they are bringing in bobby petrino as the offensive coordinator so it'll be a little bit different but i still whoever comes out of this backfield will have debbie potential and cff potential um yeah i mean i think i agree and i am interested like i think ruben owens is ready today yeah and i don't know that he's going to be willing to sit around there you know, yeah, like I'm not sure that that's that's I mean, they, they flipped him late in the process from Louisville, where I think he probably would have played early. So I think I don't know if there are promises made, but I'm sure there's some sort of implicit understanding that uh, this backfield is wide open. Looky here. Yeah. Why don't you come on down back here to Texas and uh, show us how you run that damn ball? Um, <laughs> daggum. I should have said daggum. Man, really, really blew it there. Um, so I would actually put money. I, I think I would put money on it being Owens. It's probably the direction I would lean right now as well. I think he's the most overall talented in that room. Mm -hmm. um, but so, yeah, that's probably where I would put my money too. But Le'Veon Moss was a solid back in his own right. Yeah, he's not bad. He's not bad. Um they gave somebody else got some some hype there off last offseason too. Um, whose name is escaping me right now? Tim something? Amar Daniels. Mm -hmm. Really late in a uh, uh I have this 28 teamer single copy on the college side. It's oh. stupid, it's stupid, stupid deep. And I took I took him like really late and I was like, well, you know, maybe maybe he becomes something and uh uh no dice, but uh but yeah, so there, there are some bodies there. But I, I think I would lean maybe 60-40 Owens at this stage. And I am generally not that optimistic on freshmen starting right away. But I I think there's opportunity there. Um, so I chose the Miami backfield. And I wasn't going to pick this backfield at first because the leading the re leading returning rusher is coming back, Henry Parrish Jr. So mm -hmm. it doesn't really, on the surface, seem like it should be that much of a competition. And last year... In 10 games, Parrish ran for uh, ran 130 times for 616 yards, four touchdowns. And then he did have 17 receptions and a couple of touchdowns over there as well. People might remember that he had almost 200 combined yards in their opening game. And I had put a bold prediction in my bold prediction article that he combined for like 1,500 total yards this year. And I was like, well, okay, we'll check that one off. There's there's one, there's 10% that I got right. We'll, we'll check out the other 90 later and then... Uh, he, he did not end up doing very much the rest of the year. Um, Jalen Knighton was still there, and, and he was in and out of the lineup and was sort of effective. Thaddeus Franklin was there as well. Franklin's gone. Knighton's gone. Um, Don Chaney did, really didn't play at all last year. He was coming back from injury, but he is a former high four-star kid um, who uh, I thought would win this job like a year, year and a half ago. I had him in like the top 30 or 40 in my rankings, and then that, that didn't happen. But the real crown jewel is Trevante Citizen. He was a true freshman yeah. last year and suffered the torn ACL uh, in the offseason. It's been long enough that I'm hopeful that he's fully healthy or, or will be pretty close to it here. Um, so we can see or hear some news about how he looks. But the reports out of camp last year before he went down were 
really, really good. I, th- I think he would have played significant snaps last year for them if he hadn't gotten hurt. So I'm just, I, I, I think I'm, I'm paying attention to this battle because if it sounds like Citizen is winning, that probably means that he is healthy. And I think his, his value is not quite where it should be. I think in a there there is an, a non-zero chance here that he could be seen as a top five back in college by like the end of October if if he comes out and gets that job and plays how he wants to. Gaddis wants to run the ball. Like they don't they're not overwhelming at quarterback. I, they're not overwhelming at wide receiver. I don't think they're gonna be passing the ball a ton. If they do, it's just a total misuse of personnel, which I wouldn't put jump past past uh uh, Mario Cristobal, I said Josh Gaddis earlier, he's gone. Um, but yeah. Cristobal wants to do the same exact thing. Um, so overall, um, I, I, I'm paying attention to it because it probably implies health or not for at least one of the members of that backfield. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think this is an offense where, like you said, they're going to want to run the ball. So we want, you know, that, that, makes us want the running back a little bit more. The receivers in this room are also not very good. So if this offense is going to move the ball, which is kind of a question after what we saw last year, um, it's probably going to be on the ground. And I do like Citizen a lot. He was one of my tier one running backs last year. So I I, I think he is a a value right now. Uh, I think people are kind of forgetting how good he looked at the beginning of spring or I mean, at the the beginning of fall, there heading into um, the season before he tore his ACL. So I I really like that call. But Henry Parrish had some really nice games last year. Like when when that offense was good, Henry Parrish had some good games. Now they were typically against poor opponents, but um, he is the type of back that'll. He's just kind. Of, he's he's fine. You know, he's not going to elevate an offense. He's probably also not going to hold it back. So it's not like Citizen is just going to get this job handed to him right off the bat. Um, so I, I do think you're right. Like whoever starts to get some news about that is likely, uh, you know, well, obviously health is going to play a big factor in that, but it's likely somebody we want to pay attention to. So I, I actually, I, I feel similarly about Parrish, although I think Citizen had the job over him or, or would have taken it from him Probably. just based on, on what reports were last year if he was healthy. Colin, I'm going to read you off Miami Miami's opponents from last year. I want you to guess which three games Parrish ran for over 100 yards in. Okay. <laughs> they played Bethune-Cookman, Southern Mississippi, Texas A&M, Middle Tennessee State, UNC, Duke, Virginia, Florida State, Clemson, and Pittsburgh. Which of those three did he run for 100 yards in? I'm going to say three of those first four and take out AM. You were close. So the, fir- the first two, and then he randomly did it against Virginia later in the season. Okay. Yeah. Basically, the worst three of the four worst teams on his schedule, he did. Yeah. So, function of the offense, that team was not good last year. At the same time, it wasn't like he was carrying this offense anywhere, no. you know, to, to any levels higher than what uh, uh, they really belonged at. So, uh, moral of the story, I don't think his job is safe, at least not no. as a certain bell cow there uh, in no. 2023. Let's talk I, some receivers here. Real before quick. we head into that, I want to issue a correction here. Amari Daniels did not transfer. I don't know why I could have swore he transferred to New Mexico or New Mexico State. Because but, it would have made sense, right? Because yeah. there's five guys ahead of him <laughs> on the death chart. But, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. whatever. So he he is still there. Uh, I, I got a, I had a bug in my head there. I was like, did he actually transfer or am I imagining it? 
Somebody um, did transfer into New Mexico or New Mexico yeah, State. Yeah, I can't remember uh, who. It was. I don't. I, I don't think it was from Texas A and M. I don't remember no. who it was. N- again, Nate. We Nate have is a our Tony Reale. If Tony Reale showed up three days after, um, <laughs> so we we will hear who the guy is. I'm sure as soon as he. Yeah, and we have a portal tracker up at the website that uh, I am sure is up to date with this, but I don't have it pulled up at the moment, um, and I don't I have it memorized. Either. It's like 200 players deep. So, yeah. Come on. But I digress. We can move into wide receivers. What what are you good for if you don't have the whole sheet memorized? Um, I'm like war. Absolutely nothing. Whole lot of nothing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like war. (laughs) Wins above replacement? Yes. It's good for nothing. Uh, All right. Uh, Wide receivers. I think, well, I I didn't even realize this. I, I also chose Tennessee. Um, again, so I'm really interested in what Tennessee's doing this offseason. As apparently. you should be, as you um, should be. I mean, it's probably slightly expensive, but maybe not as expensive as it should be. But uh, um, a school that loses their stud, loses a couple of the the pieces on the periphery as well, loses their quarterback. Colin, what are we doing with them Horn Frogs? Those national runner up TCU Horn Frogs. Yeah, put some respect on their name there. I mean, they they got blown out, but they were there. That's fine. They they tried their hardest too. You I, I watched take, it. You can't take that away from them. Um, no, I, I think this is one of the most interesting rooms out there right now because we already know we like Sonny Dykes offenses, Sonny Dykes wide receivers. So we're already interested in that. We saw what Quentin Johnson was able to do last year. Now it took him like two or three weeks to get going, but then he had some really nice performances there. Um, so, and and there's not really anybody else there because he Quentin Johnson's gone. Um, the uh, other guy who went to the senior bowl, Davis, um, is gone. Tay Barber is gone. So that's three. There are three top receivers from last year. Uh, so they're really only and, and one of the other guy, like ancillary guys is gone as well. I can't remember who it was, but it really only has Jordan Hudson, who was a four star guy from last year, a non year one zero uh, this year. He had over a hundred and over a hundred yards. He had three touchdowns. He had a, a decent year for, for a freshman DJ Allen, uh, who was a four star wide receiver, but a lower, um, that you and I both liked and, and Matt Bruning liked a lot of us over there liked him. Uh, we liked his potential. I'm not really ready to write him off yet either. Uh, although I, I do think that he definitely took a hit by not even res- recording a single reception this year. But he is still there. Uh, and then they bring in JoJo Earl from Alabama, who I think could be potentially the leader in this room. Uh, I think he's probably talent-wise the best wide receiver in this room. Health has always been his biggest concern. Um, so you have those three guys. They also bring in a, a freshman this year, uh, Cordero Russell, who is a favorite of some of us over at the uh, over at the site there. I think I'm a big wide receiver guy. is a big fan of him, right? Yeah, I have him in tier two as well. I, I don't okay. think I'm as high on him as as he is, but I mean, he is. I think in terms of uh, uh, power five guys, the best athlete pound for pound in the well. Mm-hmm. If, if we're calling Nick Harbor a wide receiver now, that that calculus <laughs> might change a little bit. But I think other than that, he was like the best best athlete in the class. Yeah, so hyper athletic guy, big guy. He can play the outside too, um, so he could earn, end up earning a role there and. I don't think they brought in anybody this year, at least not anybody of note. Um, oh, they brought in um, 
John Paul Richardson from Oklahoma State. But again, nobody of note. Which, which, by the <laughs> way, like when he got into college, we all should have known this. That is not a that is not a football player name. No, he. I mean, that's like a Pope name. Yeah. There, this guy. This guy was. There's was, like seven John Pauls. So yeah. That's... This this guy. This guy had no chance. Like, <laughs> he, I'm, he's going to be an accountant or something. Yeah, um, and I, I did also, uh, I forgot, they brought in um, Jack Beck, too. But again, nobody really of consequence there. So, Oh, Jack who, Beck could be interesting there. I didn't realize that he went to TCU. I mean, we don't know where huh. he's going to play. Wide receiver, tight end. Does it really oh. matter? I mean, I fun- his, his, his functional role in the offense isn't going to change. And they actually did use the tight end a little bit last year. Mm-hmm. They did. But, but yeah, so there's there's a lot of names there, but nobody that we've anybody really feels that great about, except for Todd, who loves him some uh hudson but uh yeah there's nobody really there that we feel that great about but we know we're gonna probably want somebody from this so i'm paying attention to this battle very closely in spring yeah i think it's a really interesting uh one as well i think i'm most interested in in what jojo's role is yeah uh going again you know as we talked about a couple weeks ago i think you going back closer to home second chance that that's generally what happens for a lot of these guys uh, and they don't really have a slot guy there. Like Hudson's a perimeter guy. I'm actually curious what Hudson's role is going to be there next year because there were there were rumors that he was trying to tra- or thinking about transferring or entering the transfer portal. So I'm wondering what exactly his deal is. Maybe he's not sold on whoever the next quarterback is there. There could be other issues. There's all sorts of issues as to why guys enter the portal or think about it. So. Uh, and they were rumors anyway. I don't I don't know them for sure, but it, it's making me wonder exactly what the breakdown will be there. But I do think Earl ultimately is the slot guy. Yeah, I think you can pencil him in there. And if you pencil Hudson in at one of the boundary positions, then, you know, then, then the question becomes who is the third guy? Uh, and that's kind of maybe where the, you know, is it Beck? Is it Russell? Is it, I don't know, insert some other random dude that I've never heard of in there that TCU tends to come up with every- John Paul uh, Richardson. Every, yeah, John Paul Richardson, or I mean DJ Allen, but I think he's a slot guy, and I think JoJo Earl's entrance seals his fate. Not that JoJo Earl's been able to stay particularly healthy for any long, you know, period of time, but I'm hoping that they were freakier injuries. So we shall so, see. That is a good. That is a good shout, Colin. Thank you. Um. So my, I, I, I already, I spilled the beans. Tennessee is what I'm looking at, and I think we already know two of their starters. I think we know that Squirrel White's going to be Jalen Hyatt. I think we know that um, uh, Brew McCoy is going to probably step into Cedric Tillman's role. He'll get probably get the first shot at it. At least that's that's a very good way to put it. He should at least get the first crack. Maybe he maybe Brew McCoy operates the Brew McCoy role. I don't know, <laughs> but as the, the the other boundary guy essentially, um, I I actually don't know what the nomenclature for the receivers are in that offense like i know tillman was functionally the x i don't know if they call brew the z because they do all sorts of weird stuff with stacking the wide receivers on those wide splits so i don't exactly like there is like jalen hyatt was functionally the slot so what, what do they call him a y i don't really know these are questions that keep me up in that. um <laughs> you gave such a great thorough breakdown of that offense earlier and now you're just like i don't know i don't know I, I don't know what they call them <laughs> yeah. i i don't know i don't even know functionally what you would call them i'm assuming that Roy Mc, that the third receiver lines up i'm i'm assuming he is essentially a z for our purposes but I, I can't say that for sure um but either way they need to find kind of another 
bigger bodied boundary guy. And I think it comes down to three distinct options. And I'll, at the end of this, I'll kind of give my opinion as to what the, the current split is, in my opinion, in terms of the, the race for this. But it's it's Nathan Leacock, who is a true freshman coming in there. He is a tier two receiver for me at the very, very bottom of the tier. I think a couple other of our guys might be a little bit higher on him. Um, he's already on campus, a uh, big size speed guy, basically late riser through the process. Uh, 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 Webb. I'm blanking on his first name right now. Caleb. It is Caleb. Thank you. Um, I was testing you. Good job, Colin. (laughs) Thanks. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Caleb Webb, who who was Nathan Leacock last year, essentially bigger guy, probably not quite as good of an athlete, but uh, you know, big boundary uh, type player said Cedric Tillman ish. Uh, And then the other one's Deontay Thornton. I don't know how many people realize that Thornton went there because the rumors for a long time were Penn state and then maybe Maryland. And then there was some talks about maybe somewhere in Texas. Um, But he ended up uh, at Tennessee as well, coming over from Oregon. And if anyone doesn't know Thornton or or doesn't remember Thornton, this will be his third year in college. He came into Oregon in the same class as Troy Franklin. And they were kind of seen as two big wide receiver gets for the ducks. Uh, I think he was, if he wasn't top 10 by the composite, he was pretty close to it. And Franklin was like wide receiver three or four or something like that. Um, and, and we actually talked about them. In one of our first shows, do you remember that yes. Colin? We were talking about classes that we really liked. Oregon. Uh, I mentioned UC or uh, uh, Cal mm-hmm. and you talked to Oregon as kind mm-hmm. of the classes that we really, really liked. Yeah. Ty Thompson, um, man. This, that was a, uh, that was a big staple of why, I, uh, why I liked it so much. Byron Cardwell. Yeah. was in that group yeah troy yeah. franklin and, and, and thornton yeah 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 that was i i want to say maybe episode three or episode four don't go back and listen to it yeah yeah not for good. the love of god <laughs> save yourself not, we've learned a lot we've yeah. learned a lot over 100 and this is the 120th episode of campus life i believe um yes. so so over 200 episodes together between the two shows um but but so thornton he's he's tall he's like six four He's, I don't know if he's 200 pounds or not, just by virtue of being so damn tall. Um, and he's really fast, kind of a stiffer, straight line type of guy uh, who really his calling card at this point is just winning deep. And he did it occasionally at Oregon, but was never a featured guy there for him. So I'm wondering, uh, well, with Thornton, you know, uh, going to Tennessee, like, can he become that guy? They, they are kind of a vertical offense but not for all their receivers. And the problem is that that squirrel is definitely vertical. And I think Brew McCoy is not particularly good in the short and intermediate game. Like Brew McCoy is confound, absolutely confounding to me because he is not good <laughs> in any area of the field. Like really, he's not. He's not a deep threat. He's not a possession guy. He doesn't like win immediately at the line of scrimmage to be like a, a, a yak guy. I, I don't know what he does well. Just he exists at Tennessee, so he's going to catch passes. But like, I I don't really know. So, but Thornton, I don't I don't know that he can function close to the line of scrimmage either. So I'm just wondering, in terms of, is it a clash of roles? If he is, can, if he's best working deep, and they already have Squirrel White doing that, and then Brew McCoy probably isn't like a guy that you're, you know, like hitting on, on short design touch type stuff. I don't know how well he fits in there, but I, they obviously brought him in 
to at least compete for the job and, and for a reason. Webb, I'm not going to lie. I was interested in Webb. I believe we talked about this last episode or two episodes ago. White was my wide receiver 29 in the class, and he was two spots behind Webb. And the reason I liked Webb a little bit more is because I just thought, you know, Squirrel probably doesn't really have pro potential. Like he's small, but he, I liked the landing spot. And Webb was kind of like, I liked the landing spot. And this dude's like 6'3, 210. Like, yeah, maybe there's an NFL guy here. I heard nothing about him last year. Did no. you hear anything about Caleb Webb last year, Colin? Nope, nothing at all. I heard um, they had one other guy that they brought in in that class last year, and I saw one blurb about him in spring, and that was it. And I can't remember what his name is right now. Jealous Bones. <laughs> he came back for his I 20 need an extra year. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, nah, I can't remember what his name was now, but he wasn't really anybody that, that did anything either. So yeah, no. I mean, it was Ramel Keaton was the other guy there. Like when they needed mm-hmm. a fourth guy and they had Tillman out for two thirds of the year, like you would have thought he could have maybe done something and he didn't at all. So I, I'm putting web third, putting web third. Leacock is the wild card. Yeah, I think from what it sounds like, they are very high on him. But every coaching staff is very high on every player ever that they bring in after recruiting day. So, you know, whatever. But I think in terms of what his skill set is, I think he is the best fit in with all the other ones. Chaz Nimrod. That's who it was. Ah, I knew it was a Yeah, and I actually kind of like Chaz Nimrod. And he got some... um, some hype in spring as well. Uh, I think again, in that 2018 where I'm pretty sure I have him stashed. And I think in like a 14 or 16 team or in, in one or two of them, I, I managed to snag him and stash him as well, just to see what would happen. Um, but so I, I, I think Leacock is really interesting. I'm going to put him second on the list. I think Thornton gets the first crack at it. Mm-hmm. Just oh, okay. the, the nature of the seniority, but I don't think that job is going to be super safe. I am interested to see exactly what happens. So this it's it's why I'm mm-hmm. paying attention to it. Right now I'm gonna handicap it at Thornton, then Leacock, then Webb. But I don't think any of them getting that job would shock me. So I and I, but I think it the, the guy that wins it's gonna be a valuable piece. I don't think any of those three are particularly expensive at this point in time. It might be this might be the time where you follow your strategy, Colin. You know, you you grab all three of them. And then, you know, whichever one hits, you just cut the other two. Yeah, no, and then one of them transfers to Baylor and, and is going to give uh, going to give Blake Shapen a run for his money at, at quarterback. And I'm referring to Sawyer Robertson from the Mississippi State back quarterbacks. That was my thing two years ago. For anybody um, that doesn't know, Colin, at one point <laughs> on an episode a couple years ago, said that his favorite strategy is just to get all the guys at one position and then it makes cuts easier later. And he didn't mm-hmm. mean it that way. But that's literally basically exactly what he said. And <laughs> so now that's, that's known me, as one of know, my strategies. Yeah. I had a little bit of a field day with that one. draft guys who suck. And so you can cut them later. I think was how you referred to it or something along yeah. those lines. Um, the only thing I'll say about the, the trio there and their, their cost is I do think Dante Thornton's cost is probably a little bit higher than it was when he was at Oregon, just because oh, sure. everybody knows what that uh, Tennessee wide receiver room can put up in CFF. So his price, I don't think he's not expensive, but he is a little bit more expensive. And if the person was hanging on to him at Oregon, 
they're probably going to want to hang on to him a little bit. But I think Leacock and Webb are are two good options there. Yeah, it's a fair point. Someone might be tired of him. I don't. If That's I had Thornton, too. and I I think we talked about this on that old show, that old episode, like. It's really sad that I can remember most of the episodes um, selectively. If I said something stupid, I don't remember. What yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. I was probably drunk. Um, <laughs> that my big thing was that I just don't love like his archetype of player. So I yeah. don't have much of him. But I, if I if I had him and someone came to me trying to buy him, like I don't I don't know what price would I need to move him. I think if you gave me anything better than like a fifth or sixth round pick in a supplemental draft. Like that's a that I, I'm I'm naming that range because that's when it really starts getting dart throw e dart throw ish um so i think you could squeeze that out of somebody because if they come acquiring about him they're obviously interested interested mm-hmm. but i think that's the range i don't know that i want to sell for any cheaper than that because again at that point like i'm just hoping to draft another dante thornton like a guy that's has upside attached to a good offense like yeah it's just the same dart just in a you know a different color dart or whatever so um but i think if i started getting into that range that's when i'd be tempted um because i still think there could be some nice upside freshman there at that stage a guy like eugene wilson of florida yeah like there's it there's nobody there like he could be a guy or um did he recently get five star status just for on three just for on three just for on three he's like not even close on any of the other ones which is very interesting we haven't really had this discussion they've talked about it on on the official of how like on three just like doesn't care about your ranking they will rank anybody. They were the boldest I, last year by far. Which yeah, I they were also that. at a couple positions most accurate. So like clearly it's working for them. But. Yeah, yeah, I res- I respect that honestly, um, uh, because I think we kind of follow a similar pattern where we don't really care that much about the consensus ranking. We more care I, about yeah. I think you have to have it in the back of your head. Like I don't know that yeah. I could realistically ever put a five star like a consensus five star guy at like wide receiver forty five. So it does like sit in the back of my head as like a data point. But yeah, I mean, I'm not just because I'm trying to do that. Just because Noah Rogers is a five star. I have him as like my wide receiver, like in 18 or something. Like I just, I'm not that interested. That's fair. All right. Um, buy low offense is calling. Um, and I'm sure we'll have more of these as the off season goes on. Um, but, uh, and I actually almost picked the one you picked. <laughs> I, I almost did. Um, so I'm really interested to hear what you have to say. Yeah. So the offense I picked here is Oklahoma. I think that this is an offense that we had a lot of hope for. (laughs) This is an offense that we had a lot of hope for coming into the year last year. And the whole team just did not perform well, like top to bottom. They finished the year like six and seven. Uh, They lost their bowl game. Uh, it just, it was not a good year by Oklahoma standards and, you know, Dylan Gabriel quarterback there got hurt for a game, two games, I think, but he played the majority of the season and he put up some solid numbers over 3000 yards passing 25 touchdowns. Um, you know, so he put up some really solid numbers, but I think, I feel like we just kind of forgot about that. And he didn't do what we he, he didn't have the season we were expecting him to have. So we kind of forgot how good he can be, because when he was in, uh, you know, an offense, a high powered offense at UCF, you know, a different offense. But still, when he was in a high powered offense at UCF, he put up great numbers. 
Uh, and, and Jeff Lebby's offense at Oklahoma, Jeff Lebby, wherever he go has gone prior to this this past year, wherever he has gone, he has been putting up top ten offenses. You know, he was uh, one of the he was like the passing game coordinator, I think, for uh, Art Bryles at Baylor when that Baylor offense was really humming. Um, you know, then he goes to UCF for a stint. He played well. He did well there with uh, McKenzie McKenzie Milton. Um, and I think he had a year of Gabriel there. I think. I think um, there was overlap. Yeah, I think there was overlap. And then he goes to and Levy goes to Ole Miss and, and does well there with Matt Corral. So we like Jeff Levy offenses. We like Dylan Gabriel for fantasy purposes. Um, last year, Eric Gray had a resurgence. Like, I mean, he was did not really do that much under Lincoln Riley. Uh, kind of struggled to see the field last year, 1300 yards, 11 touchdowns, caught 33 passes. You know, he had a, a nice year last year. So uh, the running game was, was pretty solid last year. The wide receiver position. I mean, they Marvin Mims had over a thousand yards. He had uh, six touchdowns. So he had like a, a nice year last year too. But uh, beyond that, it was just was really spread out, but they had, some decent guys there, you know, uh, Julio Farouk is a guy that I like this year. He's a guy that I'm looking to buy right now before people kind of start to catch on to, you know, his potential as the number one option in the, in a Jeff Levy offense. Um, they have a couple of other guys there that are intriguing. LV Bunkley Shelton is a guy that I've liked for a while. I think the writing might be on the wall for him. I think he might be done, but I'm still interested to, you know, just, keeping an ear out in spring. They brought in Andrell Anthony from Michigan. Who's a guy who got a lot of speed. Um, That's my late round stash guy this year. He's got a lot of speed. He's a very intriguing option there. They have a couple of freshmen from last year, Nick Anderson and Jaden Gibson, um, who were, uh, they're both like four stars. So they're, you know, some talent there. They're bringing in uh, Keon Brown this year, who's a guy that we we all like. So they have talent at the wide receiver position. At the running back position, they have um, Javante Barnes, who had a nice year last year as a true freshman. Um, it seems like he's probably the guy who's going to get the first crack at this this season. But Gavin Sawchuk, he only played in two games. Uh, and one game, he had two carries. But the other game, he in the bowl game, he had over 100 yards. He had a touchdown. So he kind of put his stamp at the end of the season here. We could maybe see a little bit of a split there, but I, I want to know who's going to win that backfield battle. I want to know who is going to take over that Eric Gray role because Gray had 213 carries. Javante Barnes had 116. So like they, they kind of split it between two top guys. Uh, I think that's going to be Barnes and Sawchuck, although I think Marcus Major is still there for a body. Um but there's a lot of talent in this in this backfield in this offense, and I think we're kind of remembering how poor the team did overall, and we're maybe not looking at the potential of this offense and what we thought heading into last year, and how there's still a lot of potential here. Yeah, I think uh, in terms of like you know big schools, it's it's as cheap as as you'll you'll usually see one of these offenses, mm-hmm. um, especially for you know pure fantasy purposes. Um, like you could argue that that Georgia's isn't uh, super valuable for for college fantasy, but obviously they get a lot of high four star, five star guys in there that we at least want to buy for uh, uh, for Debbie purposes. So um, yeah, I mean, I think if you had to prioritize, which which piece do you want to buy the most today? 
The piece I'd want to buy the most today is Jaleel Farouk. I think he is going to be the wide receiver one there for them. I think he'll perform well in that role because Marvin Mims did well, but Marvin Mims isn't a true number one wide receiver in an offense. I, I think he serves better as like a, a ancillary piece, as like a number, a nice number two. He just kind of had an odd role. But I think Jaleel Farouk can be a little bit more traditional. Um, plus, I, I don't think, like I said, I don't know people have caught up to the fact that he's looking likely to be the wide receiver one for this offense next you year. Bought, you bought him already this offseason once, right? I did. And mm-hmm. I, I, full disclosure, did not like the trade. Did not like me. this trade, but I want to tell everyone what you traded and kind of walk through what mm-hmm. your thought process was as you were doing it. Because I know, again, I, I, and give the context of like where your teams are at. Yeah, so it was in the uh, program league, which is pot split 50-50 on both sides. Um, My NFL side is not very good, uh, and I don't see it being good in any... You you won a championship. You went all in, and now it's old, right? Yes, yeah, exactly. Full disclosure. I don't want to... And I should crap on you, but I won't. So I appreciate that. Um, But I traded Jordan Addison for Antonio Williams of Clemson, Jaleel Farouk, and a supplemental first. Now, that supplemental first is going to be heavily depleted because of the style of the program. Um, they it, You recruit the players. So this is the freshman pool. It's not like I'm going to be walking away with Malachi Nelson for this pick. It would have been a smash if without that context. Yeah. Yes. Like, <laughs> for, all that for Jordan Addison. Yeah, hit the, hit, the, hit the button. Hit the button. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. So what in your thought process was what? My thought process was my college team is pretty good. Um, I finished in, I think it was third. No, uh, it was fifth because I did lose in the first round there. Uh, but I finished the regular season in third. So, and just, it's 48 teams and we do like weekly top 25. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I finished in the top 25 at the yeah. end of the year. So, and, and I'm bringing a lot of guys back. So I have, my college team is pretty solid. I was getting Antonio Williams, who I think is a Debbie prospect and this was pre Garrett Riley trade but I like that a little bit better for him now I think he can provide even a little bit more CFF value and then Jaleel Farouk I also think will provide some really nice CFF value this year too Uh, whereas with Jordan Addison I like Jordan Addison but again my NFL side is not that great kind of further away from competing it's a 50-50 pot split Um, so it's not like I'm tanking on the nfl side and and i'm you know hoping for a little bit of money on the college side all right so there you go um there there is a an example of a jaleel uh farouk trade mm-hmm. um all right so i uh, i actually cheated a little bit and i chose two offenses but uh, i should probably throw jackson arnold in there in oklahoma too um i think he can run that offense pretty well when gabriel's gone so you're you're not saying he's not that acquirable, but he should no. make the other pieces useful. Yes, essentially what you're saying. And obviously, yes. if you have the chance to get Jackson Arnold at cost, I would say go do for it. it. Mm-hmm. So top three or four quarterback in this class, really, depending on who you're talking to. Um, yes. So so and some even a little bit higher than that. Um, yeah, I cheated. I picked both Arizona schools, but I think I don't have like a ton to say about either. So I, I'm just kind of kind of lump them in here, um, and you know, really. It's all the same thing anyway. Um, I really hope we do not have any Arizona, <laughs> Arizona State fan listeners. Let me get lit up. Um, 
I'll start with Arizona because I think they are like the year ahead of where Arizona State is, but they have competent quarterback play. And I, for you know, college fantasy purposes, I actually think it's very, very good with Jaden Delara. I believe he has this year and next year if he wants it. And I don't know that he's a legitimate NFL guy, so I think he takes it. Last year through for a lot of yardage. Where'd it go here? Uh, 3,685 yards, 25 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. Uh, added like a hundred yard, a hundred something odd yards in the ground. Like he's not really a rushing guy, but this is kind of, you know, a, a pass happy offense and he does a good job of directing it. I actually think the weapons are even more attractive this year, just because now we know what this offense is and they're down a guy. They had Dorian mm-hmm. Singer last year and he transferred to USC, but Jacob Cowling, who was their leading receiver last year, 85, uh, catches a little over a thousand yards, seven touchdowns. And then uh, Ted McMillan, who as a true freshman had 39 for 702 and eight. Uh, those are the two guys that are returning. And I think between the two of them, they cannibalize a, a solid portion of Singer's 1,100 yards and six touchdowns between the two of them. Obviously, there's room for a third guy there. We'll see who that ends, that ends up being. And that could end up being a stash option late in drafts. That could be a, a position battle that maybe we're watching uh, as the offseason goes on. Um, but I, I do think it'll be those two. And I think they actually even have some interesting running backs on the roster, you know, Michael Wiley, Jonah Coleman, and then Rayshon Luke, who really didn't play that much last year. I still think Luke's best path to playing maybe is kind of a slot wide receiver guy. We'll see if he ends up taking that, that track or not, but, uh, he was a very undersized four-star running back in last year's class, but he is fast, like very, very, very fast. So but I think all that talent just on that team, I think if the Lara goes down, they have some guys behind him that are more than good enough. Knowing Noah Fafita, who looked good in spring. And they bring in Braden Dorman as well. They're a true freshman who I know Matt Bruning likes a lot. Um, I know some of our other guys like him a lot. He went to the Polynesian Bowl and looked pretty darn good there. Um, again, you're not taking a lot away from those all-star type games, but um, I think a good showing is is noteworthy. So, um, I, I think that offense will continue to kind of find these slightly under the radar guys, and they've actually kind of out recruited what I would consider their status to be. So I, I, I like them long term. It's not just a one year thing. And then Arizona State, they're a year behind them. They have Kenny Dillingham there. I am going to trust in Kenny Dillingham until I see otherwise. Now moving forward, he, he resurrected that Oregon offense last year. They bring in Jaden Rashada. Doesn't sound like he's going to start this year, but I don't know that that matters too much they'll have drew pine as their starter probably um at least to start the season according to our our cff crew um you know drew pines drew pine but i do think you know elijah badger's an interesting piece um and so is cameron scadabo who i think is probably going to be their starting running back next year and scadabo transferred in from sacramento state who was a very good fcs program last year um and scadabo ran for almost 1400 yards uh, last season there at Sacramento State. Uh, and I'm pretty sure he was a pretty good receiver as well. I don't have his full season receiving stats, um, but he had multiple games with with uh, several receptions here. It looks like he had 31 catches for 371 yards and three touchdowns. Like he is very much a three-down three skill set kind of guy. Uh, he's listed at 5'10", 210-ish. So he's got the size to do it at the FPS level. I think he'll do okay there. And I think, again, he's a cheap option that you can get later in drafts. Very I think you, if you're not buying him, like I think you'll get more expensive as the offseason goes on. Yeah. Because they don't really have a ton of other 
running back pieces there. Um, I'm not going to necessarily point out any like freshman sleeper wide receivers. I don't think there are any, but I think with Dillingham there and Rashada, I think the gravity of those two will pull one or two interesting guys in next year's class and and maybe a a guy in the portal or something like that, especially if maybe we get some post spring transfer action, which I expect us to do, you know, the writings on the wall for insert Ohio state wide receiver here. They're not going to (laughs) play next year, you know, or or Alabama or, you know, Georgia or or name of these other schools. So um, I I think it's an offense to keep your eye on. And I think, again, it's, it's extremely cheap to buy any of those guys. I can't think of like even Elijah Badger, we're doing a, I'm in a mock right now, and I think I got him in like the 11th or 12th round, like in a startup. I I, I really really like that value for him. I think he he is Brandon Ayuk ish. Mm-hmm. It's a kind of a lazy comp because they play at the same school, but that's kind of how he plays. Yeah, no, I, I like the call for both of these schools. I think uh, it's it's a really good point. You know, with the wide receiver room at Arizona, it's more concentrated with Singer gone, so we know we know what this room can be and we know the the major pieces here in this room. So that's, uh, it'll, those guys will be a little bit tougher to buy, but I still think for Ted McMillan's expensive. I still think he's cheaper than what he probably should be. Yeah. I think it depends on where, cause he has some people who are really strong believers in him. So I think it'll depend necessarily, but overall, yeah, I agree with you. I think overall he's probably still a little cheaper than what he should be. Um, and cowing too, I think. Uh, but the Arizona state one is, the problem with Cowling is going to be that he's going to be a fifth year guy next year. Like, yeah. I think we're past the point where like after his, his third year, we were like, well, maybe. He didn't leave this year. So I think there's legitimate concern there. Like, I think this is probably the last year, but like, that might make him cheaper than he should be. Like I value generally, especially as the year goes on, like I will value guys that only have one year of, of eligibility less if I don't think there's NFL potential there. Like a guy like Bo Nix or Michael Penix, they only have one year. will both drop in my rankings as the year goes on. Yeah. I, I think that that's a good point on cowing. I mean, he fifth year guy is probably not as, as appealing anymore. He'll be out of eligibility. So it's not like you can even get another year of college. I kind of expected him to go and expected him to, to be singer and Tet there, but if not the way it worked out. Um, and then heading over to Arizona State, too, I think that's a really interesting call. I, we obviously like Kenny Dillingham with what he did at Oregon. Um, he's had some other, you know, decent offenses before. He was at Florida State. You know, they were okay there. He was at Auburn with Bo Nix originally. They were they were solid there, too. So that's not like a one-year flash in the pan, although last year was definitely his best year like by a pretty good margin. But I like investing in him and Rashada. And I think it was a really good point about somebody in the portal, a wide receiver in the portal, maybe post spring um, or even maybe next year. So it's Badger, probably nobody else. Then after that, maybe, maybe um, Jalen Conyers, the tight end, uh, he could be a potentially intriguing option at tight end because uh, they don't really have any other passing option, passing game options. So I will say I did remember that they brought in some retread type guys. They brought in Jake Smith. Oh. Yeah. So I thought Jake Smith was done playing football. Like I'm 85% sure he like retired, like announced retirement. Yeah. I didn't even see that he was coming back. For anybody who doesn't know, Jake Smith is a former Arizona National Gatorade Player of the Year, was a very prolific high school receiver, went to Texas, couldn't stay healthy, like slot guy. 
um, went to USC and then, uh, yeah, supposedly retired, but now he's back. And they bring in a guy that maybe we should think about retiring and Troy Omir. Oh, I forgot Omiri. And and then they did bring in Melquan Stovall as well. Mm, so, right. Okay. We'll see who can stay healthy here and what the options are. Maybe one of them ends up producing at a decent clip. I'm not sure with, you know, Drew Pine or a freshman, Jaden Rashada, or I believe they bring Ben Conover too, who was the backup quarterback at BYU last year. Or third string. Yeah. Yeah. He's not, I think he's, you know, just a guy to have there. And they had um, Trenton Bur- Burgnett, Burgnett. I don't know how to pronounce that last name. Um, <laughs> He was he was okay last year towards yeah, the end of the year. Yeah, he wasn't bad. I don't know. I don't I don't I don't know what the coaching staff thinks about him. Yeah. Maybe yeah, maybe I don't even know if he stayed or not. Like I'm, I'm pretty sure he stayed. I didn't see him going anywhere. So yeah. So those those are the offenses I like. All right, real quick, Colin. Not real quick. Take your take your time. Oh, thank you. Walk us through this. What freshman did you choose for us tonight? Well, you and I took different approaches here. I'm starting at the tippy top pretty much um, with a name that everybody's going to know. And you're coming out a name with a, a, a guy with a name of people would be like, huh? For, uh, a lot of people, but I'm they starting should. off here. <laughs> I'm starting off here uh, with Arch Manning quarterback going to Texas. Yes. Of that Manning family. Uh, I, I think he's natural choice to start off the freshman profiles here. He's the highest profile freshman recruit probably ever um just people non-stop following his commitment he chooses texas in the summer n- hasn't wavered and recruited a lot of other guys into um as a prospect manning is one of the most polished quarterback prospects i can remember recently he's had high level coaching his whole life he's nearly perfect mechanically uh that you can tell this guy has had two uncles play at Hall of Fame level and and a dad in the NFL. I just watched him playing on like that. Or not a dad. Uncles in the NFL. (laughs) I know it. I know. I can't. I don't know who they are, but uncles. Yeah. Look at Sam Heward. Everybody said that about him, too. Well, didn't his dad also play? (laughs) Yeah, I think it did, too. Is Damon his dad or his? I think Brock's his uncle. Okay. Damon Um, was with the Patriots in Tom Brady's rookie year, right? He knows greatness when he sees it, I think. Um, anyway, so he's he's also very smart between the ears, too. I mean, you're constantly seeing him when you're watching his tape, checking plays at the line, um, audibling into other things, getting defenders to jump at hard counts. Like he was there were a lot of examples of that. And I didn't just you can't find highlight tape on him, or at least I had a really hard time finding highlight tape on him. Um, fortunately, we have some like full games but even in just a single game i think there were like four or five times in the course of one game where he jumped off sides it was ridiculous Um, so his pre-snap understanding is not common in high school um he operates well within the structure of an offense too he throws with anticipation uh he can move through his progressions Uh, he's pretty pretty classically a, a pocket quarterback there now he is a better athlete than either of his uncles ever were um but he's not a great athlete. I mean, he, he runs around and extends plays fairly well and he will take off and run on, but it's not a high level of competition. And I don't think this is something he's going to be able to do at the college level. So you do not want Arch Manning running the ball. And he also takes some unnecessary hits too. He needs no one to get down. 
Um, but physically, his arm talent, he's got good arm talent, throws with touch, throws with power, uh, on the move, off platform, doesn't really lose any accuracy or strength there. Uh, but he doesn't have elite arm strength, but I, it's more than good enough. I think the biggest flaw that Manning has is he might be too polished, honestly. Uh, and he doesn't have nearly as much room for improvement as some of these other prospects. Like he obviously going to Texas, he'll learn from Sark and he can improve his decision-making ability, especially if he's under pressure. But, you know, overall, there's not nearly as much room for growth for as for him as there are, you know, guys like Malachi Nelson um Nick, Nico Yamalieva but I think overall he's a high floor prospect who his name is going to carry some weight and he'll get drafted pretty early Yamalieva Yamalieva <laughs> Yamalieva I did it I'm over yeah, it you got it um I had a really good question for you and then lost it as you were trying to and think then about lost it. it as I was trying to say Nico. Uh, mm. I do think you talked about his his how he rushes. I would compare it to if anyone remembers how Matt Corral ran his mm. final year at Ole Miss, uh, which caused him to miss some games. So I think it is a uh, legitimate issue. Oh, I did want to ask um, your approach to interviewing when you are the interviewee. Um, when they ask you what your biggest flaw is oh, because you his biggest polished. flaw is that he's too polished. And my biggest flaw is that I care about this job way too much. <laughs> major, major one of those vibes here. So. Okay. Well, he doesn't have as much room for improvement. How about that? I, I think it's, it is an interesting conundrum with some of these guys, but I do think that I would worry more about it with him. If he was very robotic, Mm -hmm. And kind of, but like, I think almost at this point, like he almost thrives, like he thrives early in structure. Well, like in terms mm -hmm. of audibling and like, you know, drawing guy, you know, hard count stuff like that. And then I think sometimes he struggles later within the play if it's not really happening for him. And then he thrives in chaos. Like he thrives, like if you break it into three part, the play three parts, like, you know, pre-snap pre and right at the snap, when things are going according to plan, and then when things are not going according to plan. He's really good in one and three, and he's not good in two, which makes me feel like the polish may not, like he's polished, but I think he still can learn a lot and grow a lot. And he has that out of structure ability as well. It makes me worry about him less. It's why I still have him. Like I know the popular thing is either you love Arch Manning or he's only he'd be he'd be QB fifty if he wasn't a Manning. Like there's nobody that's in between. He's my QB three, and I think there are a lot of reasons to like him. I think you listed a lot of them there. You know the arm strength is good, the rushing ability is good, um, low level of competition in high school, but that also means that he wasn't playing with very good players either, guys. Like that's a that's a two way street. I don't think there was really anybody with him this year that's considered a major prospect. He did have what uh, AJ Johnson or whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> reportedly. I'm not going to report allegedly. on those rumors on this show, but allegedly yeah. was not a good dude. Had all of his D1 offers revoked. And obviously you haven't heard yeah. from him since. So um, I'm pretty sure the rumor that I've heard is correct based on the people that I've heard it from, but 
again. Not going to repeat it on the show. Um, if you want to hear it, DM me. I'll, I'll happily tell you. Um, so, but yeah, so I, th- I think there are a lot of things to like about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of the people who are out there saying that he would be a three star if he did wasn't a Manning. Uh, I think that's overblown. Um, would he be a five star if he's not a Manning? Probably not. He'd probably be could be five in the class, maybe could be four somewhere in that range. Um, but I still think he'd be a very good quarterback, even if his name was March Anning. Colin Decker. Yeah, nah, he's doomed if his name is Colin Decker. Yeah, Almost as doomed is. as John Paul Richardson, but not yeah. quite as much. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's the only reason you didn't make it, bud. Yeah. It's the name. Blame my parents. You never had a chance. Um, and no, no, no cool nickname either, like your brother. <laughs> Called Colin's brother uh, Hulk, like the Incredible mm-hmm. Hulk in college, yeah. um, which was an ironic nickname because he's, well, at this stage, he's slimmed down a little bit since soccer. What is he, 5'10", 160? Uh, roughly. And roughly. I don't want to get in trouble most... for I don't want to get in trouble for body shaming him again. He, he has claimed that we body shamed him on this yeah. show. And he is probably possibly the most even killed person on the planet. Yes. So. That's I think that's where the uh yes. um I can't think of the word I'm looking for here. That's where the it's it's not even close. Like it's that's why it's a joke. Um because if you think I'm even keeled, then he is even way more even keeled than I am. Thank you for describing how he got his nickname to the guy that was on the team with him when he was. I'm describing it for the people. <laughs> I know you know. You're sitting there wearing a Juniata College soccer sweatshirt right now. Evan has that same one. The good old days. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, um, just short little side note here. I was yeah. looking through some pictures, um, some old pictures on my mom's camera to do for like a a birthday thing for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I found um, a couple pictures of you guys. From your like freshman year of, of soccer, I was so hot back then. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I don't uh, know. Good times. Good times. Yeah. All right. So I went with a slightly well, less well known name, but I thought because we didn't give tight ends love earlier that uh, that's I should reason. give a tight end love now. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about who I think. So we have about two weeks to lock in our freshman grades before they lock for the guide. Mm-hmm. I think this, I think Pierce Sperlin, who is heading to Georgia, might end up my tight end one. Over Deuce Robinson. And not to do a Deuce Robinson piece here, but it's because I'm not quite sure Deuce Robinson ever actually plays football at a level that we consider meaningful yeah. for what we're doing here. I'm very concerned about his baseball career. That's fair. I Lonnie White burned you. It it Lonnie White burned me so hard. For anybody who doesn't know Lonnie White, two two classes ago, wide receiver is supposed to be going to Penn State. Like athletically, like literally, they were like, like he wasn't quite this level, but they were like, this guy's like Bo Jackson. Like if he wants to play both professionally, he probably could. He was a very very good player. Yeah, and got drafted in the second rounds by my Pirates. Have never done anything that has that has been. <laughs> that has helped my mental health in my entire life. And this is just the latest instance of it where I was like, man, if this guy falls out of the second round, he probably doesn't get the money and he probably goes and plays football. And guess what? My pirates swoop in, take him above where he was projected to go and then pay him above the draft slot money to make sure that he went and played for them. So this is my life. Point of the story circles back to Pierce Sperlin though, who I think 
I, I, I am very tempted to bump up to my tight end one for a couple of reasons. One, I think the Georgia tight end factory cannot be ignored. This past year on their roster, they had Brock Bowers, Darnell Washington, Eric Gilbert, and Oscar Delp. Now, Gilbert didn't really play. Delp was a true freshman. He didn't play either, but we think he's the next big name there. Washington's a borderline first-round draft pick, and Brock Bowers probably will be when he leaves next year and was their most productive offensive player this season. Like This is the level of prestige that has quickly been imputed into this Georgia tight end room. It's just stacked, and they're trying to stack it again. They have Sperling coming in. They have Walker Lyons coming in in a couple of years, who is a, a high four-star in this class. He's going on a mission, so so he'll be there later. Like a missionary mission, not like, I'm on yeah. a mission. Um, <laughs> like Mission Impossible. Yes, not that'd be pretty cool. Maybe that is what he's doing. I don't know. That, but... That's what, you know what? Now when they say they're going on a mission, that's, that's what we're going to think that sounds dangerous, though. I don't know if I want to draft a guy and stash him for two years, and that's what he's doing. You know, yeah, there's a high shit. Yeah, there's a high probability of injury. Or, you know, Tom Cruise, I think, got injured doing his own stunts in the one Mission Impossible movie. So Georgia probably has enough money that if he gets captured, they can buy him back. He can pay the <laughs> ransom. <laughs> they don't have a Liam Neeson there, so they can just send after him. Maybe they maybe Stetson Bennett. Who knows? Um, <laughs> That's what he was doing in Dallas. That's <laughs> son of a... <laughs> so Sperlin, I think he he is the number two guy in the composite this year behind the aforementioned Deuce Robinson. He's 6'6", 240, or at least that's what he listed at by Georgia. I would believe it. He's a monster. Uh, his athletic comp and our, our thing is closest one is Eric Gilbert. Like he is a oh. big, yeah, yeah. He's like Did a .9 match that. too. Yeah, they're very, very close. Uh, he's a really, really fluid athlete. Um uh, uh, Paust sat down with one of his high school coaches and was talking to him and they were saying like not this dude's an athletic freak and like we didn't even like maximize what he can do like just the wow. nature of high school football they they lost some, or played some big rivalry game I forget what the story is I have to go look and find it but like some guy like broke like the national like single game rushing record in the game or something like that. And it totally overshadowed the fact that Sperlin had like 300 yards and five touchdowns or something in the game. Like, <laughs> like no one paid attention to it, but it, it apparently also happened. Uh, he went to the all American uh, bowl and was really, really good there. Um, he had offers from everywhere. He has traditional size, traditional build. I wouldn't be shocked if he's over 250 by the time the season rolls around. Cause he just has frame on frame on frame. Um, he has really long arms. He, he's he's a huge target for quarterbacks. He's got really good hands um, and, and pretty good catching technique as well. They've used him short and they used him deep, and he tracks the ball pretty well. Like I think he can be a legitimate seam buster type guy, or at least run those routes, which I think they'll be looking for a guy to do after Bowers leaves. They 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 do use that kind of those kind of concepts in their offense. He is pretty good in the open field too with the ball in his hands. I mean, he's a tight end. He's going to be 260. Like we're not expecting him to, to be, you know, just juking guys out of their shoes, but I think he's good enough there. Um, wasn't asked to do a ton of blocking in high school, not uncommon, but I think he has the frame. He has the size. He has a year to learn at Georgia. I think he'll get that under control just based purely on his size, length and strength. Um, and they'll use multiple tight ends there. So I think even from a fantasy perspective, I think he can be a really, really good, player there at georgia so Sperlin for me like it is going to be an internal battle i'm going to have to make a decision as to whether i just feel safer taking him in drafts i i think i do i just 
I feel safer? Do I feel comfortable advising other people to do the same? There's always a little bit of a disconnect there as to, you know, what I would do and what I would tell somebody else. But I think, you know, late second, third round supplemental guy, I, I legitimately think depending on what the player pool is, that that's where he should go. I just think it's he's next guy up there. I really, really do. I I'm I it was pretty low on him and early in the process, and then like he's just moved so far up my rankings. It's a real shame that nobody's gonna hear this because we're gonna cut it so that way we keep the secret of Pierce Sperlin. Um you, you hoping to buy too? Well, see, I, I I really have not watched that many tight ends. I think I've watched five and I've watched him, but I have not gone back and watched him. Like I should probably put in more of an effort hearing what you're saying here and, and how highly you think of him. And it's been a steady drumbeat from you too over the past like month or two. Uh, you know, you've mentioned him a couple of times, but yeah, it's um, it's a shame. We're going to have to cut all of that. So that way Pierce Berlin stays under the radar. Maybe that's uh, Walker Lyons mission. Yes. Yeah. Recover like that it. audio and make sure it doesn't yeah. fall into the wrong hands. Yep. If you choose to accept it. <laughs> I just want it to be known that we are not making fun of any religion or religious practices. It's just a funny play on words. So yes. Yep. Um, yeah. I actually didn't. We learned. I learned. I don't know if you were paying attention. He's going to Norway. Yeah, I did see and that. We, we were like, what is the like? How do I put this? What's delicate? the mission? Usually if somebody Norway. is going on a mission, I assume they're going to non-developed areas of the world and either working like physically on some sort of you know like building schools or and then you know those schools are used to like you know indoctrinate religious or whatever you know like just you know like spread the religion you know in terms of a um uh what's it called like a missionary yeah like mm -hmm. I, like that's literally yeah what, that's literally but, yeah that's where it comes some, somebody in our chat said that you don't get to choose you just file your paperwork and they tell you where you go so this that's in Norway. i don't really know um, that was a, a today I learned there for for a uh, the little bit of Mormonism that I now know about um, that and the um, uh, what is it what is the uh, the the Book of Mormon Book of Mormon uh, from yeah. uh, the Trey the, Parker the, and Matt Stone yes those are the, those are the two things I know about Mormonism so um, I think the the Book of Mormon I think is pretty much like the Bible where it's like just exactly what that's supposed to be like the oh Book I of know Mormon and then it's Mormonism. except for it's Joseph Smith or whatever is you know no. writings right yes I, I don't know i was just i was just making a joke that the play the book of mormon was exactly what like mormonism oh. was supposed to be like that's what i was trying to get at there oh. it didn't land no it's all right we can cut that we don't need to make me <laughs> no nope, that's like part we're leaving in all right that's gonna do it for tonight's show guys <laughs> make sure that, that you post <laughs> make sure that you are checking out everything that Campus to Canton has to offer, guys. That means the website, all the articles, the rankings, the ADP we're starting to build, the tools. It's rookie season. If you're drafting some dynasty rosters, go in there and check out all of the tools. They can help you sort data and things like that. Check out the podcast feed, guys. Chasing the Natty, Campus Life, Back, uh, uh, back to Debbie, Debbie Debate, Canton Bound, and then, of course, Daily. We've got the Daily Draft Report right now. A lot of good episodes over there. Uh, with Dwight and uh, who, whatever guest he has on um, that day. We will be back later this week, guys, for Canton Bound. Until then, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Have a good one.